Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. You're very welcome to the Tradfest uh, Temple Bar podcast, and I'm delighted to say that we're starting here on this St. Patrick's celebration with Alton's Moraid Nivuenig. And Moraid, if you haven't been blown out into the ocean there, I believe you're in Johnny Gall, but you're hiding from the winds. Yes, I'm very near the coast here and I get everything that's happening. You know, as soon as the weather front comes in, I get the full, full shot. Well, we're delighted that you're able to join us on the podcast for this St. Patrick's Day special. The last time we met, of course, was at that brilliant concert in the National Stadium in Dublin. Uh, you were on stage there yourselves, four men and a dog were there, oh. Dervish were there. It was just a very special night. Uh, whatever oh, about the audience who really night. loved it, but the bands themselves, I felt a fantastic energy from you. It was just an amazing, amazing night for for myself and the band especially, you know, to be there amongst our friends, yourself. And we just felt very much at home and uh, of course, the audience, you know, they just made us all feel great. And uh, it, it it was a very good introduction to coming back to live music for us. But I must say, only, you know, after an hour's playing, I was wrecked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. we're not used to it anymore, you know. It's a beautiful venue, isn't it? Oh, it's a great venue. I've gone there to many's a concert. Uh, Robert Cray Band Blues, uh, Van Morrison, you know, uh, everybody else except uh, uh, any traditional music. But it was just fantastic. I really enjoyed being there because it's such an iconic venue as well, mm-hmm. obviously. It was it was a great night, I, I must say. I, I enjoyed being there. Oh, no, the energy in the room. There was that joy, of course, of people kind of finally getting out and getting to a gig. And there was that joy from the stage with all the bands feeling they could kind of let loose and let go. It's interesting that you should say that you were tired after. I suppose it would have that the emotion as well might even, you know, have contributed to that. Oh, the emotion, of course. But, you know, you have to really admit that the Irish audiences really give as much as the band are giving. You know, everyone's you, you feel that they're with you all the way, you know. And uh, it, it's 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 something that we're all very proud of because everyone talks about that warmth they get from an Irish audience. Now, you, speaking of audiences, of course, you'll be playing to audiences all over the world. Will you be travelling during March or are you staying in Ireland? While we are travelling during March, we're... Uh, Playing at uh, we're playing Trafalgar Square for the St Patrick's celebrations during the day, and then on St Patrick's night we're playing the Irish Cultural Centre in Hammersmith, and the following night as well, and we have uh, the great Tamidi as a guest, and also then we go to the Irish College in uh, Paris for the following night, and we we celebrate St Patrick's there with our French friends. And we play also Paris the second night in a place called Studio L'Hermitage. And then we go off to the Alsace, uh, which is near the German border for uh, the 20th, uh, or 21st, sorry, and we come home then. So that'll be a run of four gigs that um, it'll be, it'll be, uh, you know, we're getting back into the practice of it again. And and then we play Kilcar on the 25th of March. So it's basically like, all a build up to Kilcar, really. You'll tell me, because I'll tell you, if you're playing in Donegal and you're a Donegal fiddler, you better. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I get very nervous. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure. Actually, that night in the stadium in January at Tradfest, uh, you weren't around for the, the after gig party. You had to go back and nurse a sick cat or something, did you? Oh, there was the cat was sick and Nia was here on her own and she, and panic panic set in and said you have to come home tonight. So I was really missing being there with my friends Kathy and and Cal Hayden and all the bands. You know, they're like I was really looking forward to being in their company for a few hours. But you know, maybe sometimes these things happen and mm-hmm. uh, I have to restrain myself from enjoying myself too much. <laughs> 
<laughs> can, I, can I just thank the Tradfest team? They were so good to us and always, always so, uh, always so nice to work with and ne- nothing's ever a problem. And um, it, it's really nice for a band when, when you have people like that working with you. Uh, you always play better, I think. <laughs> well, you're very kind to say that, I must say. Um, what about America after that, by the way? I meant to ask you that. Will you be heading there during yes. the summer or anything? We Well, I'm heading there with Kathy Jordan to a song workshop in Swananoa in early July. But uh, we usually are there this time of year. But mm-hmm. Mia, my daughter, is uh, I am a mother after all. She's doing her leaving cert this year and her mocks at this time of the year so i decided to renege on america at this stage and go there which was the third time we rescheduled all these um dates and we're going there in the autumn and we have two months there in the autumn so uh that's that i hope i'm up to par at that stage that i'll be able to keep up with the (laughs) the two-hour uh concert but uh really looking forward to getting back proper work again yeah well we certainly wish you the best we're, we're going to pl- listen to a tune actually that you played in uh the concert in dublin and there was an introduction if i can remember rightly now it was gui barra bridge was the second tune okay. in the comb your hair and colors actually was the first one but there was an introduction yes. there that spoke about uh, a little trick your dad used to play on you gui barra bridge is actually the uh what's the killarney boys of pleasure it's another name for it but in Donegal, we call it Gibara Bridge. And Gibara Bridge has a magical kind of a sense to it. it. It kind of connects northwest Donegal to south Donegal. So it has this, this magical thing about it. And uh, my father used to say, when we're going over the bridge now, you hold your breath and uh, you make a wish. And as soon as we'd hit the bridge, he'd say, right, hold the breath now and we'll make a wish. And we'd hold the breath and he'd slow the car down. And of course, we never made it to the other side. <laughs> But uh, that was the rogue, rogue he was, and that's why we're the rogue we are. <laughs> I know, fair play. No, it was a lovely introduction, I must say, and uh, beautiful <laughs> music on the night, which we enjoyed immensely. And, of course, we listened to it on uh, Kayleigh House quite recently. So fantastic. And always good to talk to you, Maureen Niamh Wainig, and I wish you the very best, and indeed Nia, when it comes to the leaving search. Good <laughs>
Well, now I'm delighted to say that Brenda Castles is on the line. Brenda, I thought you were just up the road from here, but indeed you're not. You're a bit farther afield. I am. I just flew to into New York last night. Um, might as well fly when we can, I suppose. So um, I'm here now for the rest of the week and about to play St. Patrick's Cathedral on Fifth Avenue this evening. Well, that's pretty good. And welcome to the podcast, by the way. The last time I was talking to you was in January when you played at Tradfest and you had a celebratory launch, let's say, of your new CD, Lights Out of the Tune, in Collins Barracks. By the way, did you enjoy that experience? I very much did. I, I think I was saying at the time, I wish I could do this gig every Saturday. Um, it was just it was just lovely, apart from the fact that I could see my own apartment from the venue, which is handy. Uh, it was just a good atmosphere. Uh, everybody in good form and uh, delighted to be out and listening to live music again. So, um, yeah, a, a good buzz, you could say. Yeah, no, I sat I sat there for I just thought it was it was like a like an education without being too luxury, if you know what I mean. You had some beautiful <laughs> tunes. I spoke to you about the tunes before and how that they're. Their tunes, the names of them we know, but maybe not the versions that you have. Yeah, there's a few little twists and turns in, in most of the tunes on the album. Um, just kind of uh, looking at the, the common tunes with a, a fresh eye, I suppose. Um, the common tunes are common for a reason. They're great tunes, and um, but you do kind of get tired of them if, when you're playing music for as long as myself and yourself. <laughs> so uh, I just decided, uh, I suppose I heard Liz Carroll playing that gorgeous uh, reworking of uh, Miss McLeod's that she does. And I kind of thought, God, I bet there's a lot out there. And we're so lucky to have the archive in Dublin. And uh, before it was closed down for the, the couple of years, I, I was going in there. It's a lovely place to spend some time and to kind of just delve into books and recordings. There's so much there and uh, so much still to be found, I'd say. Nobody really knows the extent of it. There's just so much there. And the way they have it digitised as well. I mean, it was an advantage to be able to, you know, when it was closed, it was great that it was online, but there's nothing like going in there. So yeah, highly recommend it. Now, speaking of lockdown and the difficulties, you actually made this album during that time. How did you manage to do that? Well, I was lucky in that the, the studio where I recorded my, my first CD was just across the River Liffey from my house. So it was within my two kilometres or five or whatever it was at the time. Um, so I could spin across and um, because I, I recorded a lot of it initially on my own. And of course, they're new, even though they're not new tunes, um, they're new versions to me. So so there was a lot of playing in the tunes um, and, and kind of getting familiar with them. But yeah, I was able to go in on my own. Uh, you know, with mask and, and not be kind of in any, putting anyone at risk or anything like that. And then eventually I did kind of a lot of them or some of them anyway, I did re-record them with the accompanist because it just, it's better. It's always better. No matter what you think at the time, it's always better and to record it like that. Did, uh, here's a question, actually. I'm just wondering this for myself. Does the tune determine what kind of backing? In other words, like you had Rory McGorman on Pazuki and Tony Byrne on guitar, Kate McHugh, brilliant, all three brilliant. So do you decide, like there's a particular tune, if you're listening to it, say, I think the piano would be nice with the concertina and that, or do you just say, just come in and play these tunes with me? Yeah, like I think um, there's different things happen. I mean, I knew with one of them that Tony was the only man for the job, the Jenny's Welcome to Charlie. He just, he's right, just yeah. unbelievable on it. So, um, and that was his first just throw down take. And he tried doing um, nicer takes after and I just kept going back to the first one. So, mm. but with the other tunes, I suppose um, Kate McHugh kind of said that she liked the effect of bazooki and piano together. And that made me kind of try that. And mm -hmm. then other tunes, you just kind of feel like, well, look, that's enough. One instrument on it, backing is enough or accompanying. And um, yeah, they all have a, a life of their own eventually. Yeah, and of course, Rory's uh, bazooki and that type of playing he does is a little different from that, you know, that what you might normally get with somebody backing exactly. on a bazooki. And he's a Meads man. That was very important too. You know, I wanted to get, <laughs> I wanted to get somebody from Meads, and I wanted to have some women on it as well. So there was a bit of a combination there. So oh, it was brilliant. I must say, fantastic. The tunes. I must the day that you did that gig at Tradfest, uh, launching the album. I know you'd have the stuff researched yourself. But it didn't feel if we got so much information from you on stage, along with the music. Uh, is that part of what you like to do is to kind of fill in and colour in and explain about the tunes and their origins and stuff? 
Well, I, I'm glad it wasn't too lecturey. Uh, it could no, it be wasn't. a bit. <laughs> it could be a bit boring, I suppose, as well. Like you have to consider that there's people uh, in the in the audience that aren't nerds about traditional Irish music, like the rest of us all are. Um, you know, there has to be some entertainment value, and I suppose there is a bit of entertainment value in in where the tunes came from to some extent. So, um, I suppose you have to kind of think like that a little bit. But it is nice to um be listening to something with a bit of context, I suppose, rather than just kind of wondering what you are listening to. So, yeah, I no, like I, I, I actually, I thought it was very, very entertaining and uh, informative as well, which I just thought Thanks. was an interesting aspect of the gig. Um, you're in New York. Did you say you're going to St. Patrick's Cathedral later on? Yeah, we're playing there um, with Greenfields of America. We play there every um, St. Patrick's week. So it's kind of like a full circle uh, type thing tonight because the last gig we did before Broadway closed, we did on the Thursday night uh, back in March 2020, was in St. Patrick's Cathedral and there was nothing after that. So it's nice to be back there tonight and there's a, there's a big crowd of musicians playing up on the altar. Uh, so that's always fun. And have you a busy schedule in the States over the next few weeks? Yeah, there's a lot going on. So I'll be in Philadelphia and in Connecticut uh, at the weekend, both with Greenfields of America and with the Murphy Beds. Um, and then up in um, Maine as well and out in Montana with the, with the Greenfields as well. And then I'll be teaching over at uh, the St. Louis Channel um, in early April as well. So plenty of traveling. I haven't a so, minute. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going you're gonna to stay there for quite some time, I take it then? Yeah, I have a full month. Well, we, we wish you well with that. Will you miss us on St. Patrick's Day then? Will you miss that cold <laughs> of Dublin City like and you know, wish that you were here? I'll be cold in Montana. It'll feel very similar. <laughs> It'll just it, be higher mountains. <laughs> I was just going to say, it, seem, it seems like a nicer cold, if you know what I mean. I definitely do. We don't need that damp cold. The cold, mm, dry cold would be nice over there. Before I let you off to St. Patrick's and to the high altar there, uh, your album which is called The Light Side of the Tune. Uh, where is that available? Do, do people need to search around for it or is there, have you a website? Or... Well, it's on uh, brendacastlesbandcamp.com. So that's the, the main place I, I sell it. But it's in Custis as well, uh, down in Ennis. And I must get it into some more uh, actual live record shops. So, But mainly on Bandcamp, uh, Bandcamp. both digitally and physically, yes. So the CD or album, I don't know what we call it actually, uh, is available through Bandcamp. It's light side of the tune. But Brenda, uh, our other guests on today's podcast have been picking a tune or a song from their music to play. You're going to pick the Shaskeen, which I recognised on the day that you played it actually in, uh, in your concert in Collins Barracks. And I must say it was a beautiful version. Where did you get this? Um, I I found I was hunting through the Greer the Stephen Greer collection and um, I I kind of noted it and it's it, it sounded quite different but um, I teach uh, a lot and I teach Brian McNamara's daughter uh, from time to time on online and um, I'd always have a chat with Brian before the lesson and I, I asked him did he know the tune and sure of course um, the McNamara family CD yeah, uh, they have the they have the tune on it as a hornpipe they played it as a hornpipe and it does sit really nicely as a hornpipe so uh, that's the only other recording I think of it and uh, it goes into the the uh, Jolly Tinker and it's that's a version I think it's from the Roach collection if right. I remember correctly. Well, we look forward to listening to it and we want to wish you best. And is it a happy St. Patrick's Day, you say, out there? Uh, I don't know what they say out here. I hope they don't say, they say patties, I think, sometimes. They'll be oh. having to correct them. It's terrible. But uh, look, have a good one over there. I'll miss you all. <laughs> all right, Brenda. See you. See you now. Thank you. 
We go now to the most eastern region of the Temple Bar Triad Fest and the beautiful church known as the Pepper Canister in Dublin. It hosted many great concerts during Triad Fest and indeed the Lost Brothers played there on the Saturday night. A sold out show there with Oshin Leach and Mark McCausland and I'm delighted to say that Oshin is on the line with us now. For many people that were there, it was their first concert in two years, Oshin, uh, at the Pepper Canister. Was it your first concert in a while or had you done some just before that? It was our, so we'd done a run of gigs. How's it going, Kieran? Um We did a few gigs <laughs> uh, before the Christmas. We had put out an album two years ago and didn't get to tour it with all the madness. So our our rescheduled dates actually fell just before Christmas. Uh, so we did about three, four weeks of gigs then had the Christmas break, and then first gig of the new year was pepper, the Pepper Canister. But it, it, it was a really special gig for us. We loved it. We loved the venue, and we loved the whole atmosphere. Yeah. There is a magic about that venue, isn't there? Oh, there is, yeah. Like, and we, we didn't know what to expect. Um, I'd never gigged there before. I'd never even been to a gig in the Pepper Canister. And um, we really loved the sound because... Sometimes churches give that huge reverb that you can't control, but it was actually quite a, it was a dry sounding church, you know, <laughs> if that's possible. So, so, so it just gave, it gave great space to the sound guys to, uh, to mix it and they did a great job. And, uh, and it was great to be back at Tradfest, you know. So, yeah, it, it was one of the lads, are, when everyone walks off stage, we don't say that yeah. much, but you can always gauge what you know what everyone how everyone feels about the gig, and everyone was actually on a real high after that gig, and the the welcome and the reception was lovely. When I when I was a, a kid, I actually lived on Main Street in the top floor of a, a flat. My dad there, and so it was it was a, it was kind of surreal to be back gigging there. I remember vividly when they filmed uh, Michael Collins. Um, and they, and they spent weeks on, on Mount Street with the film set. And then they only used a few seconds in the film. I was always uh, baffled by that. But uh, So it, it was lovely to be back uh, gigging on Mount Street and brilliant venue. Yeah. Well, apart from gigging there, that is a wonderful memory of the venue. 
What about the band, The Lost Brothers? Have you a busy schedule coming up? And have you had to make any adjustments, let's say, from pre-COVID times as to what you do or how you select your venues and, indeed, your running order, let's say, for a night? Yeah, no, hey, we're, we're back gigging, which is brilliant. It, it was a... I mean, everyone was in the same boat. Uh, it was really strange for us when COVID hit because we'd spent a kind of a year getting this new release ready, um, an album called After the Fire, After the Rain, and we put it out. And we got one gig done in London at the South Bank, and then everything shut down. We'd six weeks in America cancelled, and we had all the Irish and English dates pulled too. So for two years, I we, we kind of just hibernated we, we we because we had done a year of all the online kind of prom- yeah. self-promotion we couldn't face doing anymore so mark mark actually had a little baby girl i have two little boys so for two years we kind of huddled away and now we're back gigging and, and we're loving it more than ever we've um we've kind of added double bass to the to the gig which we're really loving uh because the new album features uh it actually features a bass player called Tony Garnier, who has played with Bob Dylan for the last 30 years. And um, so, so double bass is a big, big feature on the new song. So we're, we're gigging with a Dublin musician called Graham Heaney, who's brilliant, and David Murphy on pedal steel. Um, yeah, we're having a ball. We just got booked for Liverpool here on, in, in June over at the Philharmonic, and we're down to play a, some festivals in England. Um, yeah, we're, we're kind of catching up on gigs. We're doing the the Solstice Arts in Navan is uh, was cancelled last year, and we're doing that in April. So we're kind of still touring this album, playing catch up, but loving it. I see you're playing in Derry as well in March. Are you doing anything around the St. Patrick's week, let's say this kind of mayhem week that it usually is for performers, or have you left that to one side and you start back a little later in the month? So the, the next uh, gig gig is the uh, St. Augustine's Church mm. yeah, in, in Derry. But we're doing a radio show. I don't know now if, they, if they've announced it yet. Um, but on St. Anyway. Patrick's Day, we're doing a collaboration with the RT Orchestra. Oh, we're doing uh, a few songs. I think it's called uh, RT Presents, the orchestra. So again this was something that was meant to happen two years back with the latest album and we're doing it St Paddy's Day at two o'clock on RT Radio 1. Has to be exciting though playing with an orchestra like that. Oh it was a real thrill because when 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 we write when Mark and I write the songs obviously we'd never dream of having the chance to to perform with an orchestra so uh, it was really amazing because it kind of opened up new doorways in the song that we didn't even know were there and kind of revealed new colors and the melodies and you know yeah i think mm-hmm. mark described it it felt like we were on a you know horses you know riding across ross yeah. beach you know it was it was a big john wayne sound you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we were rehearsing and, and and stuff so we can't wait to do that it, it, um a few songs from the new album. That's on that's, Paddy's Day. On, yeah, that's on, that's really exciting, I have to say. And I'm sure playing uh, the Liverpool uh, Philharmonic Hall on the 17th of June, that'll really be an exciting one for you as well. It will, yeah, because Mark and I spent a lot of... We, we actually started out in Liverpool, Buskin. Um, so it'll be, we've never played that venue. So it'll be always great to be back in uh, Liverpool. And, and then we're down to play a festival in Kent called the Black Deer Festival. And uh, Van Morrison, Wilco, it's a great lineup. The Water Boys are playing. So once we finish our set, we'll go a rambling, you know. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure is what they'll do when they finish their set. Head on <laughs> over to the Lost Brothers. I hope they they better. Yeah, proper proper order. I look at it, it's a real pleasure to talk to you and it sounds like everything is sort of getting back on track and even by the sounds of it bigger and better than ever. You've chosen a song, Oshin, uh, Medicine Wine. Would you want to introduce that song for us here on the podcast? Oh yeah. So it's it's a it's a song that inspired by places like the River Boyne and Gorge and Glen and Tyrone and also inspired by Bob Dylan's old song Moonshiner. Um, which which was a song about the whiskey smugglers and the pot sheen makers. So we, it's our it's our Navan version of that. 
Okay. <laughs> it's called Medicine Wine. Oshin Leach, I can only wish you the very best with the Lost Brothers and hope to see you back at Tradfest again sometime in the not so distant future. Thanks a million for being with us. Cheers, Kieran. Slán.
Well, from the wonderful setting of the Pepper Canister Church, we head to St. Patrick's Cathedral, where Aoife Scott hosted a night of music entitled Women of Note. And I'm delighted to say that Aoife is with us on the line. Aoife, welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Delighted always to have a chat with you. And they say sometimes that it's better not to meet your heroes. But (laughs) I wonder, was that the case on the 26th of January? Oh, um, it was amazing. It was it was a dream come true, actually. And it's amazing to get to talk about it now because I didn't really get a chance to get my head around the night itself. It was just a bit of a whirlwind. And then all of a sudden we were kind of off on tour and we didn't get to kind of bask in the glory of, of how amazing it was for me to be on the stage with the amazing Peggy Seeger and, and, and Wallace Bird. Like the, both of those people, like it was amazing to see them in do their thing right beside me. You know, that's kind of funny. Like, cause you're watching these people all your life like and I had seen Peggy Seeger uh, perform in Dunleary about four or five years ago and I was just absolutely blown away by her and the fact that she was so close to me and she it's like a glow <laughs> you're just like hoping it'll rub off you yeah. some of her unbelievable glory is amazing like so it's great it sounds just listening to your enthusiasm still for it so it obviously did have a, an impact on you yeah I mean like I think Peggy Seeger obviously at the age that she is, she's 86, 87, and she is a powerhouse, but her knowledge and her memory is unbelievable. Like I just kept trying to talk to her. I had been reading her book during lockdown and I had just had so intrigued by her upbringing and how, you know, because for me, I guess I'm a performer, a musician. My favorite thing is to, is to be on the road. Like I just love gigging and I love touring um, and sometimes I feel like maybe there's something wrong with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that because every time you talk to people, like a lot of people that I talked to after the lockdown, um, they were all saying, oh, it really suited me to be in the lockdown. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me altogether. Maybe I haven't <laughs> experienced the badness of it yet. But you look at Peggy Seeger and she's a woman who not didn't crack up in lockdown, but was gasping to get out and gig again, yeah. you know. And she's on a UK tour currently now and she's like 18 dates or something. And she's just a powerhouse. But her that's what she's done all her life. Like she's just traveled all over the world and played music and sang songs. And that to me is so inspiring. And just what she's come from that and how the songs that she's written are just so powerful and stuff that like I didn't realize that she had wrote. You know what I mean? Songs that I had heard other people sing. And I think that's it just shows how. Yeah, I mean, it was a dream come true for me and I don't think I'll top it. You know, if it happens again, I don't think I'll be able to top getting somebody who I adore, like Peggy Seeger, to be on the stage, unless she does it again for me. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but it's, it must be nice then for yourself, like Sue Tradfest, to have that stage where you can bring these heroes of yours, uh, female artists, that you can bring them on stage and have a night like that and just enjoy what's going on. That The way you describe the glow coming off Peggy there, that kind of stuff, to enjoy that. And it's 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 in your hands to put it together. Yeah, very much so. Like, I, I guess I had this idea um, about six years ago from starting, and it was, we had done the Secret Song Circle, which was a different version of the Women of No gig. And it was uh, five women, but you didn't know the lineup, so you had to buy it based on, on the fact that you trusted people would trust the audience would trust me yeah. for picking a good lineup um and i but the thing about it is is the organizers of tradfest martin and claudine they were always trying to convince me to do it bigger on a bigger scale you know and i was like no 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 we keep it intimate we keep it intimate and so it was always really small very quiet and that suited me i liked the idea of playing for a very small crowd so when they said to me look we have saint patrick's cathedral i was like all right. <laughs> I didn't really think twice about it. I just yeah. said, let's just blow it up and, and see how we get on. Um, so it was funny because before we started uh, the gig, I took a picture um, in in St. Patrick's Cathedral. I mean, St. Patrick's Cathedral is the cathedral that I would have passed on my way every day from school. You know, it's like it's the way into town from my ma's house. And it's it's basically solid part of my upbringing. Like it's just been looking at it. And so I got a picture of me in the venue beforehand. And I was thinking about my first ever gig I did with Tradfest. And one of them, like I did about four over, like you're talking about whatever amount of years ago now, but it was in upstairs in the Keys um, in, in Temple Bar. And uh, there was about four people there uh, compared to an amazing night like Women of Note in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Like there's such a difference there. And um, it is amazing that Tradfest have really 
um, put their trust in me to, to be able to pull it off and to be able to get women to play with me and to be able to fill St. Patrick's Cathedral, which he did in the end. So it was really, really amazing. I'm very thankful oh, for the opportunity. Oh, it was fantastic, the atmosphere as well there. Are you planning for next year? I know you probably won't give us any names that you're thinking about, but are you planning? Yeah, definitely planning for next year. And uh, like we're with the, the there's a list there of people the the wish list, you know, so it's about people's availability, seeing how they are, seeing what, how it works. And I mean, I could believe that Peggy Seeger said yes immediately. <laughs> I was waiting yeah. on her to, to think about it for a while. Um, so it's it's really just because gigs are back now and it's harder to get people um, than, than it was, I suppose, when we were, because Tradfest was the first ever festival back, you know, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it might be a bit easier to get Wallace and Peggy over and the two other best, amazing special guests, Lucia and uh, Trisha there. So we'll we'll see, but it's definitely in the pipeline and we're working on it at the moment. So if the yeah, earlier I, I get it sorted, the better. <laughs> what plans have you in the in the near future? You're playing a Kilkenny Trad Festival soon. Yeah, yeah, playing at uh, Kilkenny in the Medieval Mile Museum. So that'll be great with Pip and John Murphy are playing on before us. And yeah, no, it's 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 exciting time for gigs. Um, mm. I just, we're going to America, um, which is really exciting. So we're going to be back in America following um, our kind of hurry home in, in March 2020. Um, but we will be back in America for about six weeks in August now. So um, really looking forward to it. Like I can't, I don't know, whatever it is, I have another connection with America that just brings it to another level. Um, there's a there's a weight that lifts off my shoulders and I and I know oh, this is gonna Will sound mad, to... but yeah, when I get to America, there's a different energy there. And I'm not sure if it's to do with yeah. being myself a bit more. Um I can kind of be who I am. And th- there's not a weight of the family background really when I get to America. Yeah. So I literally feel a lift when I get over there. Yeah. And are you where are you gonna to go to Milwaukee? Well, I'm not sure if I can tell you that now, Kieran. Yes or no? Okay. It depends. There's no announcement yet, so uh, we have to see. Okay. Like, I can't. Well, I'll put, I'll put it like this. Well, then we'll 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 try and we'll try and decipher what you just said there. But you didn't say yes, and you definitely didn't say no. I definitely didn't say yes, and I definitely didn't say no. But, um, okay. I'm very excited of of the idea of going back to Milwaukee. Would be amazing. Oh, that's a fantastic there. So it's a brilliant festival, really. It's amazing festival. It's mm. it. What it is is it's a celebration of of the identity of being Irish in any way or form, whether mm. you're connected to being Irish or whether you're, you know, related to from past things. It's just, a, it's a massive celebration. It's like St. Patrick's Day, but with 100,000 people all in one space. And that's to me, and over five days, and that to me is amazing to see so much joy and so much pride in in being Irish. And uh, I am I just think I get blown away by the amount of people that just come up and and tell me all about why they love Ireland so much, because I love Ireland as well. So it's great mm. crack. There's a lot in common. So you mentioned St. Patrick's Day, by the way. What does it? I mean, does it does it mean a lot or a little to you? Is it important? Um, I have some amazing memories of St. Patrick's Day because my granny Black was very, very passionate about it. Right. She would go down to Mead Street and she'd buy the biggest clump of shamrock, right, still with the, the muck still on it. <laughs> And she would tie it onto her jacket and the muck would be hanging off. Like, And I'd be yeah. looking at it going, what is? But she was so proud of it, just this big, huge lump of shamrock. And because we lived like close enough to where the parade route was, I'd, I'd be walking, we'd walk down from, from because my, my granny lived next door to us here. And um, so we, I'd take her hand and we'd walk down towards the parade route and she would want to watch the parade from wherever she was. Um, I didn't mind if we were six people back, but it was just to do with the parade and the pride that I saw in her face of people celebrating from all over the world, coming to Ireland to celebrate Ireland. And I think she instilled, and there's, and there's also there's a, there's a freshness in the air, you know, around these few weeks. And particularly St. Patrick's Day, when the, when the streets are closed in Dublin, there's just an energy of anticipation walking down to the parade and and knowing you're going to see some amazing things and just being so proud of being Irish like and I just it's just that half an hour on the way down before the parade starts there's a crispness in the air and there's an excitement and just this swelling of pride of being who you are and being from this country and being just blown away by by how much we celebrate it and uh, it's amazing yeah it sounds like there's no need to wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day because <laughs> it will be a happy St. Patrick's Day for you. And you mentioned Dublin, of course. And Dublin Saunter was a song that you put on the album. We were going to finish maybe with that song, but just tell us why you picked that. Well, I mean, I think we might be going with the with the live version from St. Patrick Cathedral. And and the reason that I well, the reason I picked I picked the song to put on my album is because my nana Scott, another nana, she sang to me when I was eight years of age in the kitchen and she hadn't a note in her head. 
but I'll never forget her singing it to me. It was just summed up um, a time in Dublin when you can just, you know, a sunny, sunny afternoon. And that's what it's like in St. Patrick's Day as well. When you're when you when you get the sun and it's a great day, there's just something about Dublin that it can be so magical. And I decided I'd open the show with Dublin Saunter um, to get everybody singing and relaxed. And the when they're when the audience are singing within the first few you know minutes of the of an audience, you know they're going to relax straight away because once they start singing, then they just take a big deep breath and they're kind of settling into their seat and everybody's happy. And that's what I started um, with on uh, at St Patrick's Cathedral, and the audience singing back to me within seconds was unbelievable you just couldn't have asked for a better reaction and uh yeah i was delighted with it absolutely well, delighted. it's a pleasure always to talk to you Eva scott thanks a million for joining us on the podcast and enjoy the touring and i'm pretty sure you will thanks so much thanks a million dublin can be heaven with coffee at 11 and a stroll through stephen's green there's no need to worry, there's no need to hurry, you're the king and the ladies are queens. Grafton Street's a wonderland, there's magic in the air, there's diamonds in the ladies' eyes and gold dust in her hair. And if you don't believe me, come and meet me. To finish this special podcast looking back at some of the Irish acts at this year's Tradfest at Temple Bar, we move back to the heart of Dublin City and Oshin Mokjumada with Seamus Begley and Samantha Harvey. You put in a blistering performance, Oshin, uh, this year and enjoyed that new venue very much. Thanks very much, Kieran. It was a, a beautiful venue and um, with the one and only Seamus Begley. Uh, as well, a man who absolutely lives for singing and playing. But not just Seamus Begley, but Samantha Harvey, Oshin. Will you tell us who is Samantha Harvey? Absolutely. Um, Samantha uh, and myself um, are husband and wife, uh, and uh, we actually met Samantha in California on a tour that I was doing with Seamus uh, back many years ago, and um, I was very fortunate that she... Um, that she believed me when I told her the weather was just as nice in Ireland as in California. So she's living over here now for her sins. Fair play to you. Uh, you must have, I presume you said that to her with a straight face uh, to, to, to persuade her to come over. She's a fantastic piano player. She's a fantastic step dancer as well. That is right, yeah. And, um, you know, we've we've done a lot of playing together with Seamus, obviously with, with Tata and also as, as, as part of the, the Seamus Begley trio with the three of us. So it's, uh, it's always great fun. That was something I was going to remark on, actually, that playing with Seamus Begley, I presume that's never boring. Never, never. You know, Seamus is a, is a, a great a great combination of, um, you know, he's a, a very professional performer in that, you know, as I said before, he lives he lives for that. But uh, he also enjoys the edge of the seat uh, stuff as well. So there's, there's no point in putting a, a very fixed uh, set list down on the floor. Often you just go with it and um, there's no man that knows more songs than Seamus or, uh, dare I say, even jokes. 
He certainly has those and mentioning edge of seat. I'd say you're, you're on the edge of your seats pretty much a lot of the time when you're performing. Now, yourself and himself and Samantha have been working that trio. It's a beautiful trio, I must say. And you've done some recordings together as well. But also, Seamus is a guest with Tether when you're on the road. How do you sort of mix one with the other? Or uh, is it just a given that once Tether comes off the road, yourself and Seamus look at a few dates and you decide you'll do that? Yeah, well, th- that's kind of how it started off because, um, you know, a lot the, the lads in Taser are, you know, most of them are working at other jobs and stuff like that. So, uh, Seamus and myself, you know, going back, I suppose, eight or nine or ten years ago, uh, we, we were both very keen to travel, uh, particularly to America. And um, we, we kind of, after a couple of tours, realized that, that um, you know, Seamus is always looking to be in sunny climate. So, he was uh, twisting my arm trying to go to Florida in, in January and all these kind of places. So we both have a great hunger for that travel. And, and that's one of the things that, that kind of brought us together as well as the, the, the music and that we, we both enjoy uh, that travel side of, of the life. So, you know, given that we have a bit more availability to it than the rest of the lads, it made, it made mm-hmm. sense that we would uh, do other stuff as well. Uh, I'm often amazed at how you find time to do all this because you're also very much involved in the education of Irish traditional music. Yeah, well, it's it's um, you know it's impossible not to, to, to be engaged with that side. You know, um, for myself, I I studied music education in in, in college myself, so I have a bit a bit of background uh, in it, and um, have always enjoyed um, you know both the musical stimulation and I suppose maybe hopefully giving a little bit back as well um, with teaching at the summer schools, the Skellyxes and the Willie Clancy schools and south Sligo. so there's a great tradition of that and to be honest it was a big part of my own um, musical uh, upbringings where i met most of my great musical friends and had had great tunes so it's 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 a great ritual that we've kind of missed over the last few years but very much um you know ready to get back at it now and also of course director of the sct that's right yes i've been working now with cultists with the the screw the cone cheerer and uh, that's you know it's a very very I suppose a very important thing uh, for, for myself. It was set up originally, uh, spearheaded by Michal O'Hein, who had a great vision for music education and, and worked very, very closely with Coltis and a number of programmes uh, with that. So we've been keeping keeping that going and developing it uh, over the years. And you know, it is very important, uh, and I think we realise it more more so than, uh, than ever now, that you know people growing up of all ages, whether it be uh, youngsters or adults, we all need that little bit of a structure mm. and motivation uh, to learn this music. So that's what Screw the Culture tries uh, to give that, um, you know, because the competitions are great, they're a great stimulation, but they don't suit everybody. And uh, there's a great thing about having that yearly focus to learn and keep progressing. Uh, you mentioned that Michal O'Hein was a great man of vision. Uh, or a man of great vision, I should say. Also, uh, another man that had great vision and was an enthusiast to his fingernails for traditional music. Sadly, died during the week. That's the great Seamus McMahona. You'd have known him very well. My goodness, there, there's there's probably nobody that had a bigger impact uh, mm. on music over the last uh, fifty years here in Ireland. I mean, Seamus was, I suppose, he was the the epitome of the the Irish musician. He had the the Gaelge, he had all the songs, he had the music, and my goodness, did he have the crack as well. He he, he just had it all, and um, so many people, I think, were drawn to this whole scene by Seamus. That, that, that smile he had, that roguish smile uh, on his face. I can remember, you know, as a youngster teaching the Skellige, and you'd always be just dying for that night of the week when Seamus would maybe leave the desk job up in the cultural and, and come on up to the flan, the Thursday night or something, and my goodness, it was like a shot of energy for all mm. of us just to, to witness him and he'd, the shoulders moving and the songs. You know, once you met him once, you could never forget Seamus. Incredible man. He's a fantastic man. And uh, our sympathies, of course, to uh, his wife, Una, and the Mahuna family. Just a brilliant, uh, a brilliant pioneer in a lot of ways. And he got so many young people interested in traditional music. And it was it was about, about loving seeing what he was doing, playing tunes or singing songs. And as you said, with the shoulder on the move all the time. What a, what a man. What a man is right. And may he rest in peace. By the way, Oshin, you're talking to us from Boston, I believe. Are you on tour with the band or with Begley and Samantha at the moment? We're um, doing a two-week tear of the tour, actually, now. And um, 
like you said, we were in Boston last night and um, we were out here for two weeks, which is um, not terribly long, but it's great to get to get back on the road uh, with Tay. We have a new album actually coming out. should be with us, you know, in the next couple of weeks. It'll be coming out on Gale Inn Records. So that'll be, uh, you know, I'm actually be picking up some of the copies here in America um, next week. So we're very excited about that. It was put on hold with the pandemic, obviously. So we're, we're, we're delighted to be bringing that out. And Seamus will be on that album as well and we have a very special uh, guest or uh, singer also for one for one of the songs who might be uh, known to many of your listeners um for his acting in particular john c Riley. From fantastic America. so, so, so you so you, you you have been busy then we have yeah i mean we we got the guts of the the album done um back a couple of years ago and of course things slowed down with the pandemic and it was hard to just push it over the line given that we didn't know when we'd be able to to start uh, gigging it but look i think a lot of people found themselves uh, in that boat and uh, it's kind of all systems going now for everybody which is wonderful now what's the name of the new cd Oshin? the name of the album is kush came quilly which um would probably be familiar to, to a lot of your listeners it's it's an old irish an old irish saying and um you know we're we're using the i suppose the loose translation uh of it as the day is brightened. So it's, it's picking up on, on, I suppose, the, the mood of the moment. Well, we wish you the very best with that album, Oshin. And maybe, can I be so bold as to say, maybe you might pick a track from that album to end this podcast for today. We've been looking back, but we're now looking forward with a new album from Tether. So do you want to pick a track? Do you mind doing it? Not a bother, not a bother. Well, our our, our music is always a mix of, of the some old you know unusual tunes and um also some of the great newer compositions so um i'll pick a, a track maybe with three new enough uh, newly composed tunes um the first one is called greta's favorite from uh, the great richie dwyer and we'll follow it with grist for the mill a tune uh, composed by a great monaghan guitar player uh, michael mccaig and then the last tune we head over to Connemara, and it was composed by uh, the wonderful accordion player johnny o'connelly and it's a tune he called Real Johnny Fodick feature. Oshi Maktiamada, Gormir Mahagat. A pleasure. Thanks a million.
Thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.